Churchpreneurs Podcast. My name is Richard Moore. I'm your host and informant for everything church, theology, and faith-related. Churchpreneurs' vision is to accelerate the church in mission, vision, and effectiveness in fulfilling the Great Commission in our communities. Churchpreneurs hopes to embolden people to fulfill the Great Commission beyond our own borders into the rest of the world within this generation. In this podcast, I talk about everything that's moving me in relation to church, theology, and hopefully, most importantly, to empower your ministry, your church, your Bible study, or your theological understanding, hopefully to make us more mature in Christ. Today, I wanted to address mishandling scripture and how often we do it. I'm guilty of it. I want to be less guilty of it. That's why I wanted to discuss it today. Um, I had someone recently show me that my previous understanding of John 10.10 was probably wrong. John 10.10 is the passage in scripture where Jesus talks about the thief. And um, mostly, we've, you've probably heard this before, if you've ever heard of sermon or anything on John 10, 10, mostly people, pastors, preachers, etc., um, equate or say that Jesus, uh, description of the thief, he says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, that the thief that Jesus is referring to is referring to Satan or the thief equals Satan. So the thief is the enemy, you know, you hear all sorts of sermons, um, all sorts of uh, analogies on what that thief or who that thief is. And most people's understanding is that that thief is Satan. I'm here to tell you that is probably not accurate. It blew my mind the other day when someone showed me that that was not probably true. So first of all, when we are dealing with uh, a passage of scripture, a hermeneutical principle. Hermeneutics is the science of understanding scripture, the interpretation, how we interpret, and the, the methodology we, we use to go behind. First thing we need to do is, before we exegete, before we do any of that stuff, hermeneutic principle number one is context is king. So the context is its own interpreter. What did the author mean when he wrote such and such and so and so? We look at the context and we can see what he meant. Usually the context clears everything up. We can understand what the passage is about when the author himself clarifies through the context. So, writer John, John chapter 9 and 10, actually, when we look at the context, we can see what Jesus means when he's talking about the thief. Most people, again, say the thief it refers to Satan. It doesn't. It probably refers, Jesus is probably referring to um, the Pharisees. So let's have a look. Context is king. It will clear everything up, usually when we take a look at the context. So um, a lot of people believe, I've read a few articles on this now, on what what John 10.10 means. And a lot of people believe that uh, the chapter, of course the Bible was later, cut up into chapters or divided into chapters, subsections, and then verses. It was originally just text, you know, just written. No one, you know, the, John didn't, didn't divide the, his, uh, 
his gospel up into sections and verses and chapters. That was done later. And so some people believe this was a real sort of break, that chapter 9 and 10, the, the shepherd discourses is what they're called, were kind of broken up inappropriately. And, and chapter 9 should probably still sort of belong to the flow of that discourse. Let's start out in verse 39. Jesus said of, of chapter 9, so we're going ahead a little bit. And again, this is where the the chapter should have probably flowed a little bit together somehow. 39 says, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who did not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you wouldn't have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. So we see that he's talking to the Pharisees. And he goes on to, to, to compare himself, the good shepherd, to the thief, to the thieves who he's talking to, who come in and try to steal the flock of God. So this is very interesting in, in, in that you see the context is clearly, um, it's addressed to the Pharisees. And so I, I thought to myself as I, I read that, and, and then John 10, let me just read John 10 so you can get, a, get the thing. Uh, the thief comes to only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come, or I came, that they may have life and have it abundantly. So the thief is obviously the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the leaders of Israel. So, um, again, context uh, clears things up most of the time. And I was blown away. I, I'll give you a, a link in the description of the articles I've read from a professor at Biola uh, really incredible uh, research done on that and how we've misinterpreted the thief to equal Satan for years. And it probably comes here, that, right, that author described that it probably comes from Sunday school curriculum that was developed in the early 1900s that just kind of um, found some old, uh, old discussions um, and extrapolated that the thief was uh, Satan or describing Satan when it really wasn't and the historical interpretation of this passage had been that the thief was describing the Pharisees or the religious leaders that Jesus was addressing so um, wow I, what that what that spoke to me I, I was dumbfounded I thought what I have always assumed that the thief was talking about Satan and even preached that I mean I preached a the I am I had a, a, a theme camp theme a couple years back where I preached the I am statements of Jesus and I preached I know I preached this that Jesus was talking about the, the thief the, the devil Satan now are we really ruining the text or something when we say that the, that Jesus is talking about the enemy it's not what the text is talking about but the devil is the one who wants to destroy us um but I think there's actually a real true misinterpretation, mishandling here when we do that. And I, I'm guilty of it. I did it. And the reason I did it was because I assumed. I, I didn't do my research. I didn't do, okay, who is he talking about here? The thief. I just assumed that's what I've been told for years. That's what I've heard. And I assume and just apply what I've assumed to a sermon without doing my exegesis, without doing my proper hermeneutic, and um, I'm guilty of it. And so if I'm guilty of it, I've been in youth ministry and pastoral ministry and church planning and stuff for 25 years, 
if I'm guilty of it, then there's others who are guilty of it. Just assuming, oh yeah, I know what this text is about. I know what this little thing in the text is about and just kind of do the other, do your other exegesis. You don't, you, you don't look at that again. Yeah. Or look at that with different eyes and say, hmm, have I been assuming that wrongly for a long time or whatever? Other things that we, I'll give you other examples of how we mishandle scripture, the, the in the charismatic movement or the extreme charismatic movement, the NAR, there's a spirit in everything. And the spirit of Jezebel is thrown around a lot. I don't know if you've been ever ha- been accused of having the spirit of Jezebel. Um, that's probably the absolute worst thing you could be accused of in, in the uh, extreme charismatic or NAR new apostolic reformation circles. The, the spirit of Jezebel is... I kind of give you a context for that too. The spirit of Jezebel is someone who either uh, is really worldly, really sensual um, a woman. Women, if you've been accused of having the spirit of Jezebel, I, I am so sorry for you. It is a very bad, bad way to uh, spiritually abuse somebody, spiritually control someone. Uh, usually that person is very sensual or dresses provocatively or has a provocative spirit quote unquote that is um one of the it's a become a pet peeve of mine actually mishandling mishandling a scripture there's only two times with it where a person jezebel is referred to in scripture in the old testament jezebel was the evil queen of israel um who did you should read her story it's quite incredible uh you know jezebel is definitely a story in the old testament of um what not to do um, and how not to end up. Um, she was pushed off of a balcony and fell down to her death and then eaten by dogs. Uh, it was pretty, pretty crazy story. So look that one up. It's something to read. Um, and then the second uh, appearance of the word Jezebel is in, the, in Revelation. I believe it's Revelation 4 where Jesus is talking to the churches and he says, I, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. And that um, passage is probably also talking about a real person, not a spirit. So uh, I've written a, a blog as well about that. I'll put that in the comments and you can have a look at that blog. I believe we really, truly, the charismatic movement and those who talk about the spirit of Jezebel and try to make all sort of extrapolations of what the spirit of Jezebel is and does are very, very misguided because there's only two people in the whole Bible um, that two places in the whole Bible that use the name Jezebel for the person Jezebel in the Old Testament and for the person Jezebel in the New Testament, whether that's a real name for the person or if that's just used as a uh, synonym or something like that. It, it, it is probably most likely a real person in, in Revelation. So we misuse that. Absolutely. And then another uh, example of how of scripture that, that I, I've heard and seen recently mishandled is uh, someone uh, told my wife uh, not to let the root of bitterness grow up in her. And uh, I thought, wait a minute, um, is that what that passage in Hebrews is actually saying? So I went to look at it, did my due diligence again, and let's, let's uh, have a look. There's another way, another place where we mishandle scripture or... Um, use it to our own means instead of the means of what uh, what the original author meant. So uh, usually when you hear people say, well, don't let the root of bitterness grow up in you, that means what they're saying with that is don't be bitter. Don't get 
ugly or mean. Don't let anger grow up in your life. Um, don't let resentment grow. Get rid of that. And and there's a spiritual thing for that. We should not be resentful and bitter. Uh, Christians should forgive and move on and, and these type of things for sure. This is not what I'm saying. But what, what I am saying is that this passage does not teach that. doesn't teach that we should not let bitterness grow up in our life. It's not talking about um, bitterness as a sin. Uh, what it's referring to, what the writer of Hebrews is referring to is, is a bitter fruit. And so let's have a look. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, it says, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Again, context, context, context. Context is king. We know that's the rule and interpretation of scripture. So we see it kind of clarifies already. So it says in verse 17, for you know that afterward when when he, uh, so sorry, Esau, 16, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no chance to repent though he sought it with tears. So the writer says, see to it that you don't miss the grace of God. And, and then he uses Esau as an example of missing the grace of God. Yeah. And he tried to repent, but he couldn't repent anymore. So this passage is probably not about being bitter. Yeah. Being, um, unforgiving and bitter. It's probably about missing the grace of God. It says it at the beginning, don't see to it that no one, that none of you fail to obtain the grace of God. Grace is a gift. We, um, we have opportunity to repent. And the writer of Hebrews is talking about or referring to a passage in Deuteronomy where it talks about the same thing, a root of bitterness or a root of uh, bitter fruit. And here's what it says. Beware lest there be among you a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart is turned away, turning away from the Lord our God, to go and serve the gods of those nations. Beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous or bitter fruit. One who, when he hears the words of his own sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. This will lead to the sweeping away of moist and dry alike. The Lord will not be willing to forgive him, but rather the anger of the Lord and his jealousy will smoke against that man and the curses written in this book will settle upon him and the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. Whoa. <laughs> Bam. What we see here is that the writer of Hebrews is grabbing this, this phrase and pulling this out and using this and applying this to the grace of God that in the Old Testament, be careful not to go after the gods of other nations. Don't worship idols. Worship God alone. Um, be diligent in your faith. Don't presume that you're saved. 
Um, work out your, we can use another scripture, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And here in Hebrews, it says to not miss the grace of God. So the root of bitterness, if you let the root of bitterness grow up, it'll be worshiping other gods, running after other things, running after the things of this world and not obtaining the grace of God. And we obtain the grace of God by faith in Christ alone. And that's it. And repentance. So don't let your heart become hard and stubbornness and reject the grace of God as it is extended to you. And so the root of bitterness is not uh, being bitter. It is the fruit of rejecting God's grace and being stubborn and being rebellious in your heart and worshiping other gods and going after the gods of this world. If ever, someone's ever said, don't let the root of bitterness grow up when you kind of express some frustration or bitterness, say, uh, excuse me, that passage doesn't mean that. Um, the root of bitterness in Hebrews refers to rejecting the grace of God. I'm not rejecting the grace of God. Y you know, use your scriptures right. <laughs> use them wrongly so we've mishandled scripture so much and i'm guilty of i'm just as guilty of it i am guilty of not doing my due diligence in scripture preparation when i preach and teach and you pastor you uh, bible study leader my encouragement to you is be diligent don't mishandle scripture do your due diligence open the word of god look at the context look at look at commentaries Look at the historical uh, background. Look at the, even the geographical background. You know, uh, when you're doing like the story of the Good Samaritan, look at the background of where that story took place or the, the path from, from uh, <clears throat> that the, that the uh, Israelite man fell into robbers under. You know, just look at that. Look at those things, those important uh, geographical things, historical context. Uh, cultural context of the people who wrote this, even the writers themselves, what were they thinking? Where were they at? What was their thought process, etc.? Do be diligent, uh, pastor. Handle the scripture correctly. It is the word of God. If it's as valuable as we say it is, we ought to treat it with value and don't give it a second glance on Sunday. Don't assume that we know what the passage is about. Really dig into it. Um, and do your exegesis, do your thorough research, because the word of God is that valuable that when we preach it, we ought to get it right and, um, and not get it wrong. Like I've done for so many years with this John 10. And I confess to you today that I'm going to try my best and not assume and really ask the questions, well, who is the thief? You know, if I come to a passage like that again, who is he talking about? You know, ask the questions, who, what, where, when, why, how, all these questions. Don't leave anything to chance. Don't leave anything to your assumptions of what you've thought in the past or what people have, have told you or how you've grown up, even how you've grown up. I'm sure I've heard that, um, John 10, uh, in my past. And that's where I probably just assumed so, Pastor, this encouragement to you is to do your diligent work in your scriptures. Don't overlook anything. Don't take, uh, don't cut corners. Don't take shortcuts. Do it right.
Look at your Greek. Look at your commentaries. Look, do your exegesis. We've got all sorts of tools at our disposal just by at the touch of a mouse or at the tip of a finger. You can look it up. Um, if you don't have Logos as a pastor, you ought to go buy that program. It is fantastic. Wish I could throw stuff up on screen. You know, I'm not so tech savvy. I can do that. But um, go get Logos. It's valuable. It's really worth your time and your money and your, your uh, time to go get that program and have it at your disposal. Do those things. There's things, other things you can do. You can, you can go buy a, a Kittle you know, for, for probably a couple hundred bucks now. I've got it, my Kittles here. I use them all the time looking at Greek and Hebrew and uh, doing my language work. Do that, Pastor. Take the time. Handle God's Word. You know, it's that valuable. Preach the Word in season and out of season. Don't preach your opinions. Don't teach your opinions. Preach the Word of God and let it do its work in people's lives. Thanks for listening to Churchpreneur's podcast. Hope you found this valuable and, and uh, beneficial to your ministry and your life, maybe, hopefully, especially just in handling God's Word. You can find out more about uh, my ministry at richardpmore.net, and also Churchpreneur's blog is on there. I also blog at richardpmore.blogspot.com. You can also follow me on Twitter if you tweet. Uh, my handle is richardpmore23. Love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for, for anything with Churchpreneurs podcast or any other things that Churchpreneurs might be interested in, please reach out to, to me on one of those platforms. God bless you. Until next time, take care.